welcome back to another episode of rushing to adulthood y'all i don't know about you but these episodes on holding grief and loss have actually brought up a little grief for me um in a good way and i'm continuing to listen to conversations with katie and Hamika as fuel to keep going and i know this conversation with tori as the last episode in this series on holding grief and loss will do the same and i'm glad for you to cue into this conversation tori is um, a friend and colleague of mine from our time in grad school he's a tennessee native an actor a poet and a pastor who brings so much light to this world um, you're going to hear it just come through and is having an empowering spirit um, in a way that really allows people to be transformed by the love and grace of God as he says and one of my favorite things that he says is be somebody's joy today I always remember that and I hope that this brings you joy so let's get into this conversation We are here. How are you? I am wonderful. It's so good to be here. It's good to be here with you too. It's been, as we noted, four years, not just since we've been like in physical space together, but I think almost the same amount of time, just about since we've been in shared space, even on Zoom or something like that, right? Maybe a little less. I remember when you graduated from BU mm-hmm. and because I was you know I was asked by Valentina our wonderful Valentina ah, I love her so wherever much she may be right now um uh she she was very persistent you got to go help and make sure that you lead people to their seats so I was an usher basically for the whole graduation so that's when I last so I got to see you get your diploma and that was the last time we were in a physical space which was around like J- June 2019 yeah we're about the same time yeah 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 so Jeez, I can't oh well goodness I'm so glad to have this space and time to to be in conversation with you to just be in space with you I mm. I'm excited Ooh. to be here too and mm. welcome everybody out there in podcast world no Woo-hoo. this is not Matthew McConaughey this is Tori Shane Dillard so, Come on, whole government. Oh, you do have the Matthew McConaughey voice. All right, all right. You, you know, do. I, whenever they do, you know, whenever he decides to do voiceover work, instead of him doing it, just calls me. Just call I, you. Listen. And then I just get the honor of doing it and he still gets paid. So right. They all- need to figure out how to get you the paycheck. No. <laughs> well, good. I do. I love your voice. I, I think I've shared it with you before. It's nice and buttery. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love you. Now, it is so good to be in your presence. You are a queen. You are wonderful. You are amazing. And uh, I I just I look forward to the day when I can be uh, a knight on, at your round table. When you a queen, and a ruler. queen Charlotte. I want to be Queen Charlotte. I don't know. There if you go. It, but there it's you so go. cool. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. You, you are so, uh, don't be, don't be gassing me up as they say. <laughs> all right. Then well, you can gas me up. Well, listen, you end, are, so uh, first of all, I will, without hesitation, you are phenomenal. Your spirit, it just still like, ex- to me, I still think about when I looked across the, like the dining area, like it was like our lunchroom or something like that. Um, when I met you or saw you for the first time, I didn't even meet you yet, but I just like, 
You hadn't even opened your mouth, but it was just this. Which is a shocker. <laughs> I'm always talking. Like maybe I was nervous. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I was eating something. Who knows? Just like your first of all, you are very handsome. That's also just pow pow. But energetically, you Daddy. just <laughs> take that. <laughs> you just had this like sense of like community. That's the word that comes to mind. Like just a sense of like I'm. The relationships matter, community matters, and that's what you center. And I feel it coming from you. And it's very authentic. You know, some people are like grasping for something and there's nothing wrong with that. We need what we need, but I think it's just so natural to you. So like your authenticity, your heart, your preaching, your voice. Come on now. You're a good human and I'm glad. I love it. No, thank you. (laughs) If you had hair, would you flip it? That's what I'm saying. That's right. That's right. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, it's, it's really powerful to, you know, to be given the gift of this type of energy that can, that loves to be around people that Mm -hmm. gets that energy, you know, that I'm a, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming a more introverted extrovert, but, you Mm -hmm. know, to just be an extrovert who, who finds that energy when you're around people and like, you know, people give off all kinds of different energy and, we're all consuming that up like SpongeBob as a sponge. You know, mm-hmm. we're just like we're taking all that in, and and I think some of the best parts of being around and being as community life director at BU was I was able to see my fellow students in different ways and in deeper ways. I was able to communicate with professors in different ways, mm-hmm. in deeper ways than I was when I was just a student. Yeah, there was there was a sense of um, you know, um, I think mutual respect. Mm-hmm. There was a sense of, you know, oh, well, you know, you know, I have this role as community life director to try to be a sense of pastoral care uh, for people who are studying to do pastoral care or something, mm-hmm. or, you know, and that was a, that was a really interesting uh, jump into um my life in ministry mm-hmm. in general and yeah. you know to be in the church in the united methodist church despite our shortcomings right now we are we are a very vibrant church who i believe is is transforming lives transforming people and and to know that i get to be a part of that transformation is mm-hmm. really powerful and that i get to be in the midst of people's lives Mm. is is cool i i like to think of myself as a pastor we're all the ultimate side character in people's stories we Mm. get to be in these really intimate moments Mm. like sharing in their child's baptism or sharing communion with someone who doesn't believe they're worthy for communion Mm. looking someone deeply in their eyes as you know they're in pain and you can be there for them like those Mm. little moments that you wouldn't think are important turn out to be some of the most important times in a person's life. And, mm. and pastors are just lucky, blessed enough to, for that to be their story. Yeah. Oh. It is the collective story of others. And that's really cool. And I, and, 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 you know, it's really cool to be part of it. Um, I don't think I've ever thought about pastoral leadership, particularly leadership in a, congregational context I don't think I've ever thought about it in the way you just described it like 
because some people think like, oh, you know, I don't want to be a supporting actress or actor. I don't want to be an ancillary character. You know, I'm the main character. That's what my G-ma. My G-ma has taught everyone in our family line. We're the main character in every show. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I definitely believe it for you. I definitely believe it for you. <laughs> Thank like, you. I, I, love... I mean, look at you and your podcast. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. You know? But I love what you just described of being a, not just like a side character, but like an ancillary character in some of the most vital moments in someone's life. That being your story um, is so powerful. Um, thank you for sharing that because I will say like, you know, this podcast on the rush to adulthood, there's been a lot of kind of factors that have fallen into it um, around like what my life was like. And one of the things that I, I haven't talked at length about, um, though, funny enough, lots of people who are guests on my podcast are Christian, are grew up in a Christian tradition. And it's not always, it doesn't always dawn on me until I'm re-listening to episodes. And I'm like, wow, that's another one we was talking about God informing us or talking about our childhood or vacation Bible school. But I don't, I don't think I considered it so much. And it, it is a huge part of my life. Um, it definitely was a huge part of my childhood. And uh, mm -hmm. who's at church every five seconds, it felt like. And mm -hmm. I do think that what I appreciate about what you just shared is that um, for lots of reasons, because the church, and I'm very clear that it's the, the people of the church, not just you know, people like, you know, conflate that, oh, it's God, it is the church and the people mm -hmm. that make up these churches that say that we're not enough, that we need to do this, that, and a third to be loved by God, or we need to, you know, earn something um, that has caused me to not bring that aspect of my life so much into my adult space. Um, but I'm, I feel grateful for this moment of return yeah. to it in a way that is like, oh, I wonder what like Pastor Thomas was thinking when he baptized me. And then like the other 12 people that got baptized on that day, or even in the, the you know, scope of his entire 40 year ministry, um, mm. what it's been like for him to witness marriage and birth and even death, mm. you know, and um, to hold so much of people's lives um, as his life. What a, like, I had never thought about that. And I'm just here thinking about like, why didn't this, that, and the third, right? But um, I just appreciate that perspective. And I think that's just so Tori, like your Thanks. ability to hold, I mean, I've, I've shared that phrase so much in my life to hold the complexity of like such kind of, what is he called? Like um, these chasms in between two things. Sometimes people are like, oh, it's a rift or it's a small little gap. Sometimes they're chasms. So I want yeah. you to, I'm actually want you to talk about, um, you know, we're in this series on holding grief and loss. Um, mm. That can look like a million things. You know, we've heard from Anika and, you know, how grief has shaped her identity and, you know, and losing her mother. And Katie yes. talked about, you know, navigating a space with other people who are losing loved ones or grieving lives yeah. um, and how do you keep yourself together as much as possible and i think you know there's other per there's another perspective that you're bringing to this conversation on holding grief and loss and so i would love for you to just sort of share what does that mean for you what has that been looking like for you in your life well i think um i'm definitely going to share um but before I do, I would really love to take a moment and just acknowledge the presence of a perfected love that was here 
long before we were. Mm. And yet somehow this love knew us intimately before mm. we even came to existence. And I want to, I would love to take a moment and read from uh, Psalm 139. And, uh, a really powerful psalm that I've been reading a lot recently. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in darkness, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. Mm -hmm. Words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Grief. <sighs> mm. Grief is, I guess another word for grief would be kind of like living in a, in a liminal space. Mm. There's this, you know, liminality is that space between starting something and ending something. And in that space in between that and being someone with ADHD, it's always hard to start a new project. It's really easy to end a project sometimes because you kind of lose track or lose focus and then you'll jump to different things. But but the finding of what that next thing is for all of us, no matter what it is, uh, there's this in between space of potential, mm. of potential of creating a uh, potential of 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 new directions of transformation. And in that, I think grief also holds the same type of power in it. Mm. We have the power to use our grief to create a world in which we, we would love to see a world of empathy, of compassion, of understanding a moment where, you know, grief doesn't tear us down, but build us up. Or we could create a world where grief, utterly shatters us, shames us, and controls us. Mm. And I don't think that's what grief is meant to be. Mm. And grief is hard. It's challenging. And there are ways in the human mind we wish it didn't exist. But in some way, when you grieve something, it means maybe you loved it. Mm-hmm. It shows that you had you had something within you that actually has the enough human within them to grieve. Mm. And when you're doing grief 
in ministry setting, it's so easy to become numb. Yeah. Ooh. Because you're dealing with everyone's, you're dealing with everyone's um, messiness as our great and wonderful Dean, Reverend Dr. Mary, uh, Mary Elizabeth Moore said, we're all met, we're all messy people seeking the holy. Mm -hmm. So as a clergy person, as a, as a deacon or elder or chaplain, you have chosen to take on this service, this, this vocation, this journey in the depths of grief, in yeah. this, you know, in that chasm, you're jumping in it, you know, and you're, you're not trying to save anybody. That's right. not, that's not the point. You're sitting with people in their grief. And yeah. to me, that's harder because you're messing with people. You're, you're in the midst of people's sadness in the midst of people's brokenness in the midst of people's um what they perceive as something wrong with them why am i grieving especially in this world today or at least maybe i should just speak for myself i grew up believing that me being sad or mad or whatever was bad i need to be a good boy and not 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 show these emotions and just you know just be good hmm. but you know i think as a clergy person We have the ability to jump into these spaces and basically get inside with someone, hold them in that space, hold them in that grief, hold them in that frustration and that anger, that anxiety, that sadness, and be kind of a physical representation of God's love with them. Mm. So if anything, we're kind of a reminder, I think, or try to be, because not all preachers do this. There's a lot of false teachers out there. But to be that presence of grace and love in the physical form mm. of a person's pain. And God's going to do the, the real work in the solidarity of that person, in their solitude, in mm. their quietness. Oh, can I physical representation oh i just since you started speaking <laughs> i i sometimes i just um back up and say like sometimes i come in with like oh i can you know have it together or i'm prepared i was not prepared and in, in a good way um I think I just want to have a transparent like host moment. I think sometimes when you are facilitating conversation, you're holding space. Me, I'll speak for myself. I forget that I'm in the conversation yes. that I too can be impacted and moved by the conversation. I am often, you know, people hear it all the time. Like, wow, that really stuck with me. Or thank you for sharing that. I hadn't thought about it, but like I was just sharing with, it's just so funny. Today's been wild. Um, in a beautiful way I was just sharing with someone today that like it is because of my brain mm -hmm. um, and the gift I think I have around I don't want to qualify it I just have this gift of being able to receive words have dialogue move conversations be a facilitator and there are a few moments where I let myself not need to have a note a thought a response or whatever and actually just receive and mm feel whatever just happened and that's what happened 
you started reading Psalm 139. And it's funny, I don't know if you remembered this, but before we hopped on the conversation, you asked about reading this and you you said, I'm going to read Psalm 136. And I was like, oh, cool. I, I don't remember that off the top of my head. My favorite scripture in the world is Psalm 139. Oh. It is the scripture that whenever I'm like, I'm so done with this church or I'm so done with God or I'm so done with this world, it is the one thing that has always pulled me back wherever mm-hmm. I need to go to, right? And so I'm just saying that to say, since you opened your mouth <laughs> at <laughs> Psalm 139, oh. I've been trying to get back to it. And then what you've been saying since is so rich because grief, I think the way I'm hearing it from you, one, I'll back, back up one more time. I want to say that I'm sitting in a moment of grief, grieving the part of me that still longs to be in mm-hmm. contexts where that scripture is read, received, and mm-hmm. related to in the ways that I once related to it. Um, grieving the church that held me and then damned mm. me. Grieving, yeah. grieving, grieving, right? Yes. Um, and how t- how grief is not, as I mean, people will say, it's not linear. It's not going to be done in 10 years because that was... I'm in my 30s. That was two decades ago. Mm. But I'm still grieving. Yes. And I didn't know it until you yes. read it. Right. And so I do think like when you start talking then about being the embodied understanding of God's love, of grief being an indication that there was love, like all of these things so like <laughs> timely for me as I mm did not know I was grieving. Um, and so I have nothing wise and beautiful to say about what you have just offered. Only just thank you um, for this really powerful understanding, both of the text, but then of the, the ways that um, we can have roles in sitting with people in their grief, not to need to transform it and move it to wherever we need it to be, but just to be still. And that's mm. part of both, I think, what it means to be a minister, but also what it means to accompany folks on this journey in life. As adults, we need folks who are going to sit with us and allow us to have space to to grieve. Because could you imagine like, oh, you know, you're grieving, whatever. If you were to just be like, oh my God, that was 20 years ago, Hazel, get over it. Like, could you imagine someone sitting there and telling you that? And people do say that to folks. How dare you still be grieving the loss of this yeah. third when it's been X amount of time? Yeah. Um, and that the, the embodied aspect of grief um, reminds us that there's no such thing as a limit. There's no yeah. such thing as an end to that yes. grief, no matter what you're grieving about. Yeah. I don't care how much work capitalism will do. You can never commercialize an emotion to being mm. healthy healed when it's not ready to be healed you mm. just can't there's no pill there's no there's no there's no quick cure there's mm. no there's no quick faith that will cure your sadness it's just not there and in mm. our capitalistic society where we think we can we can get everything we want at a push of a button i'm mm. sorry you're a human being you're a part of creation you're a you're a being made from perfected love 
it's going to take some time to understand yourself. Okay. Right. That's why we go to therapy. That's why we have church. That's why we have faith. That's why we have friend groups. And that's why we have communities. Uh, that's why, uh, whether you have faith or not, we're searching uh, to be more ethically and morally guided by the people around us mm -hmm. and to understand the world deeply. Um, and none of that happens because you take one course at, let's say, BU, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> even though BU is amazing, Boston University School of Theology, you're amazing. Big ups, you did a good job. <laughs> um, but that's where the grief comes in. Mm. The, grief, the grief, I think, reminds you that you loved deeply or that you 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 wish something else would have happened mm -hmm. it reminds you of, of of sometimes grief can actually tell you what you deserve mm. you grieve maybe a relationship but that relationship wasn't ne necessarily the best relationship to be in doesn't mean you know that grief proves that you did love this person or these persons but that grief also kind of helps you remember why it didn't work out in the first place. Mm -hmm. Maybe this pushes you further to, to realization, you know, maybe that's so funny that you, so. I'm sorry. That's so funny that you said that because, um, I shared this, um, with Z when I found Z, when Z found me, whatever, when God saw fit, whatever we want to call that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew what it meant I'm still mad about that because I thought we were going to get married, but you know, I guess Z is lucky. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, you're so All funny. Right. Yeah, all right, you'll let her be. But um, I grieved a lot when I realized what it was like to be loved deeply, authentically. Now, that's uh, not to say that other people didn't love me in their ways, right? But not in a way that made me know I was loved, like... Oh, yeah. deeply and I grieved for such a long time I was crying all the time I was thinking about other partners and talking about them all the time and wondering mm. like what the heck is going on and I'm so grateful for the partner I have who was not jealous and didn't think I was doing something wrong by grieving because yeah. she understood you're grieving that this was possible you're grieving the you that wasted energy and time or was mistreated in ways that you shouldn't have been you're grieving that Mm -hmm. that happened um and i think that that to me when you said like grieving old relationships i'm like it's like it's true i'm just living proof personally that like it's true and that there's i think the thing with grief and why i'm like really happy to be having these conversations and i think there's a lot of emotions that get um qualified or there's some that you're allowed to feel more than others or some that are acceptable and non or, and then to what degrees mm -hmm. and I just think that like one we should never be having a conversation if somebody is sad for whatever reason they're sad let them have that moment mm -hmm. um and even if people want to have a conversation about like what um what emotions get more airspace or time you can't tell me that grief just needs to be one of those that's like it doesn't matter who says what grief is going to always have space like period because that is to me like one of the ways we are human <laughs> like yeah. one of the really core ways emotionally that we are human um i think grief is a huge part and especially if you've been through some stuff like it's not 
normal to not feel some type of way that like life was challenging or that this person was not great to you or that who you mm. thought you were going to be at this point in your life, regardless of what that thing was, is not who you are now. And that might be for the you know net positive, but you can still grieve that. Like, mm. because as Miss Tabitha Brown says, that's your business, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I do think that there's like a need for this conversation, particularly around grief. And that grief, you know, I did put the you know series together, so it's titled holding grief and loss but that doesn't mean that they go together right grief is its own and, thing yeah. loss is its own thing and sometimes they live together as we and as we heard. understand that grief and loss like you just said are neighbors right next to joy mm. what i mean by that is that it you know for any of my my buddhist friends out there that's one of the four noble truths is that things are constantly changing nothing ever stays the same even mm. christianity teaches us that nothing stays the same and so we're constantly in this space of grieving what we've lost um in whatever form and in the spiritual realm and the spiritual journey and the clergy and in a, in, a, in, a, in my myself as a clergy person you're constantly dealing with grief mm -hmm. You're grieving the fact that, you know, when I was at BU, I don't know. I think, I think I'm grieving the ego I lost. You know, I had this kind of big head. And I got a big head in general, people. It's really good that you can't see me right now. But, you know, <laughs> it's um, normal size. Really missing now. Like I'm I'm wonderful. Um, but uh, you know, I, I went I left BU. I graduated in the middle of the pandemic. It was in the midst of of of, of of COVID pandemic. And I don't know, I, I I don't know what I was expecting when I was gonna get my get my first church, you know, such weird language, but serve my first church. Mm -hmm. And I, I I guess in my mind I had kind of this young, kind of naive like idea that oh I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna preach some amazing sermons and we're gonna make some real changes and we're gonna transform together and and which mm. you know is wonderful and it's not necessarily untrue but then you come into the reality that you it's not about you mm. go into the church you're jumping in <laughs> to what you said the chasm of people's brokenness mm. people's grief people's loss. And you're uplifting that. And so, so, you know, for, there's that first grief of, of recognizing that it's not about you. Mm. And, and when you start to take on or not necessarily maybe take on, but, but to help hold people's grief, hold people's brokenness, hold people's sadness. You know, occasionally a hurt person will hurt you. Yeah. And I think what we said earlier before we started the podcast was, you know, if you're when you're out there picking up glass, eventually you may get cut by a piece. Mm -hmm. And you you grieve that because even a, even though I'm a pastor, I'm still a human being that gets hurt. And your yes. words hurt yes now i'm trying to be a servant i'm trying to serve you i am trying to do my best in the midst of these overwhelming circumstances of you know a major global pandemic serving my first church 
and also being in the midst of a church in the United Methodist Church, which is dealing with its own issues mm-hmm. um, of separation and people leaving and people coming. And then it's just a lot. And so, you know, I remember many moments in my first year of ministry. There were many nights where I just weeped. Mm. Um, you know, and, I, and no matter what I would do, no matter how much time I would give or, you know, how much how much work I would put into something, you know, it always felt as though that was not enough hmm. because it wasn't what this particular congregation needed in the moment. You know, they wanted to go back to the way things were before the pandemic. They wanted to, you know, make some hard stances on different things that I wasn't willing to make any hard stances on right yet. There was, there was, you know, it, there were people who were just really upset about this, that, or the other, and you're trying to hold all that and be a leader that's a non-anxious presence. And, you know, you kind of, you know, I think I kind of grieved the, I grieved the moments where I couldn't remember that I am Tori Dillard, a bearer of joy hmm. for myself and for others. Hmm. And there were many moments that first year where I could not bear joy for anybody, hmm. even myself. Yeah. Grace, especially because I was lost in my grief as many people were during the pandemic. Certainly. But it's, you know, I think as a clergy person, all of us, those who really, you know, no matter what denomination, no matter what spiritual path, no matter, no matter what faith tradition, if you are a leader and a servant of others, there is this grief of knowing that your life is not necessarily always your own. Mm. It's always going to be with others and, and helping others and guiding others. And, and that can be challenging sometimes. And so, yeah. and, 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 you know, I think what grief has taught me in these past three years is that I don't think anyone's out to get me mm. or nothing like that. I don't think, the universe is conspiring against me. I'm not that important. Um, well, that's the release of that ego. We all have it. You know, exactly. we think everybody's out to get us. Yeah. And grief, you know, really taught me to sit with my frustration with a particular person or when someone would, you know, call me something that I definitely did not like, you know, and I want so badly, you know, to say, you know, well, you know, F you or whatever in this way. Try it's Jesus, not, don't try me. That's it's right. So it's like grieving that person who would easily get up and just, you know, ah, and then you're trying to bite your tongue. And there's all of this. If that, you know, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. I mean, I think to like, regardless of how we've showed up in the world, like there are parts of us that we've had to let go of and for good or for ill we can grieve that part even if it is the part of us that wanted to put hands on that person like <laughs> yes I'm glad I'm not that person right now but I kind of need him <laughs> it's because this person is like evoking the the hands on you type right and I will say too like you know as we move into the end of our this conversation we'll say like grief one of the things that Anika said that is still sticking with me and I'm trying to work on like that grief can that grief is a companion. Mm. 
Um, mm. And it doesn't always have to be that grief is this like, you know, it's not like Charlie Brown, good grief, you know, like that is yeah. like this negative connotation that grief can be a companion. And in fact, whether you want grief to be a companion or not, unlike sadness or happiness or whatever those things are that we can snuff on our own, I think we have the ability often to like diminish some of the th- other emotions. Grief is going to say like, oh, I'm I'm still here. I am planted here. I might be dissipated for a little bit because, okay, you got to go to work and do your thing. But yeah, that song's going to come on or someone's going to read Psalm 139 and boom, I'm back. You know, like, and I think that's where it doesn't go anywhere. Yes. (laughs) And I think that's why grief and loss are neighbors with joy. Mm -hmm. So, what is joy? And I'm just going to kind of be speaking from a Christian context. That doesn't mean I speak for Christianity in the slightest, but. Christian 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 joy is is the ability to see things in a new way in a transformative way from what we're experiencing in the moment and the moment could be agony upon the cross as Jesus was but yet look down on all the people with this immense love for a person who go who goes who who went through so much immense struggle and suffering in the midst of that suffering and struggle was able to give complete trust and glory to God and look on even their enemies with this perfected love and to me and to be able to find unity with them and that's what joy is joy is this unity with god and neighbor and that has nothing to do with being happy and mm-hmm. yes joy when you look at joy on in the dictionary it talks about being happy but but in the spiritual realm joy doesn't really have anything to do with being happy it has everything to do with trusting and praising and and living life to the fullest in unity with god i mean I mean, because in scripture, we talk of, you know, trees singing praises to God, mm. being joyful. We, mountains, you know, rejoicing and, and, and enjoying the goodness of creation. And, and I think when we're able, I think someone told me this a while back. I think someone told me, someone told me this a while back, that sometimes our hearts break in order for love to fall in. Come on, break open, break open. And and grief does that for us, I think. Mm. Holding someone's grief does that for us. Mm. And then in the midst of getting through that, we find great joy in being with each other in this moment, knowing mm. that. And I, and I was talking to this someone the other day about, you know, you know, why come to church? What's the importance of being in the physical space of church? And and I said, well, one, I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily getting closer to God as much as it is getting closer to our neighbor and knowing that I'm coming into this space with my struggles and I'm giving it to God in this moment, but know that there's also someone right next to me that is dealing with their own struggles. And so we're all connected in this beautiful intricate web of what it means to be human go through the human experience while also giving that up together with god mm-hmm. praise to god and and to be able to be someone 
in leadership of the church that has the opportunity to sit with people in that and to protect people in their brokenness, not to try to hurry them out of it, not to try to make them believe in something, not even try to save them. I'm so happy I don't have that. I'm going to save you mindset or I'm going to save you theology because that's all that God does. That God does that, not me. And I just get to be human with these people that also gets to participate in their growth and they get to participate in my growth and it's a mutual thing. It's, it's really it's interesting. beautiful. It's a beautiful um, thing. I, I do want to, yeah, I want to say two things and then we should say to be continued on this yes, one. Absolutely. I, and I want you to have the last note and I think perhaps you could read one of these lovely poems. That, oh, absolutely. I'd love um, to read so two things, um, when I'm thinking about this conversation, I, I want to sh share what's come up for me. Two quick things is, you know, we we were under the um, wisdom of Dr. Shelley Rambo when we were at BU mm -hmm. School of Theology, and she was teaching on a trauma, religion and trauma course, and her entire uh, um, kind of research is built on the premise that trauma is what remains. It, I mean, that is to... I didn't simple oversimplified, but trauma is what remains, right? And mm -hmm. so remains after the event has ended and you know, holding on to things. And I so because of that definition, I think what you described about joy and grief feels similar. Grief and joy, similar to trauma, is what remains, and not just like remains after in the ways that you know I think people might mean it. But I mean that is in a sustaining long term. There's the longevity when I hear remains and mm. that I could be out of the things that rushed me to my adult life. I could be out of the church that didn't love me back. I could be out of the home that was broken in more ways that you, than you can count. And I could be out of those events and grief still remains, right? Mm. I can be out of that church and I still have joy when I hear Psalm 139, right? That is yeah. the stuff that remains. And I'm really grateful um, to have that th in this moment. And I hope that others, when they hear that, feel the power um, of that truth. With that, let us listen to you again. I love when you read. Um, I love hearing you read. And I've not heard this poem but um, it feels very resonant to a lot of what you said around, you know, broken glass and uh, mm -hmm. the conversations. And so um, well, I, before I begin, uh, this comes from my own little um, I'm, I would love to um, publish this works. Um, I started this in the pandemic. Uh, as many of us, we were all seeking things to not make us go crazy. Well, my big thing was I fed birds. Oh, you know, cool. If anyone doesn't know, I'm a country boy from Tennessee. So country boy. Know, it's like, <laughs> and so I grew up in the woods, you know, and I never thought of myself as being a poet. And the pandemic really brought the poet out of me. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I wrote this poem literally uh, before I gave a sermon uh, to a, to a church that I was having a particularly tough time in. And I thought I was broken 
And I thought I could not do this work. And so I sat down and I wrote what was on my heart. And so I call this poem Mosaic of Brokenness. And I hope you know that even in the midst of your brokenness, mm. light shines through those cracks. Mm -hmm. You are a beautiful work of art. Anyway, this is my poem. Do not think my spirit can be so easily broken. For time and time again, I have picked up the shattered remains of my soul. I have searched through the rubble. I have grieved the pieces that were destroyed. Hmm. And yet, with the pieces that remain, I have crafted something new. A reminder of my strength a souvenir of my journey, evidence of my love. The broken and shattered pieces held together by the compassion of the ineffable lover, a mosaic of brokenness. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being, period. So grateful for you, uh, Tori Shane Dillard. <laughs> grateful for all that has been shared um, and all that we still hold in our hearts um, that we hope will be shared at a different time. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Find your light, my friends. And go be somebody's joy this week. See? I told you it was going to be good. I hope that you loved that conversation as much as I did. Um, I don't know if you heard, but I had my own little revelation. And I'm actually not that surprised that it came through the wisdom of Tori. Super grateful for him and super grateful for you for continuing to join me on this journey of rushing to adulthood. We'll see you next time.